Hey everyone, welcome once again to Podcast in Death, the weekly podcast where we discuss the in-death series of books by J.D. Robb. I am AJ. I'm Jen. And Tara's not here. Tara's not here. Again. She was she, supposed to be, but no, she just sent us a message and said she wasn't going to make it, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, she, was she home may from still. Iowa today, so right. it's a very and long it, drive. It's a long drive, and yeah. I, you know, I mean, if I was her, I wouldn't want to yeah. have to do a podcast after driving that much, you know. But right. She may jump in. Who knows? She may she jump may. in at the yep. end. We totally so. jump in if she feels like it. So, so it's October as we're recording this. It is October twenty third, and mm-hmm. in a week, a couple days after this episode officially drops, will be Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that on this week um, is when we, in the normal progression of how the books are, we get to the novella Eternity and Death, yep. which was part of the, I have it right here, part of the Dead of Night Oh, yep. series, or not series, but novella. Anth- yeah, anthology. Anthology. And uh, of which I never read any of the other authors. Oh, no, me either. <laughs> I hardly ever do. Every once in a while, I will. But. I mean, I probably should, but I yeah. yeah, I think I have. You know, a couple of the ones I've read. Yeah, um, I do like Mary Kay McComas. I I think she's a good author, but um, other than that, I just the story doesn't appeal to me. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to read the end death story, and I'll be good. um i think it was which is the one that we said she like there was a story about people like going in a time machine and popped yes i think that's the next one isn't which one is the next one is that um sweet 606 yeah i want to say it's that one okay but um i just because of the fact that they crossed over in that way that you saw you know in that book characters from this other i went ahead and read all of them because they kind of crossed over i remember doing that but yeah the other the other uh, anthologies i didn't really read no a whole lot of them past just the uh, look it's not even like late for me and i'm yawning i don't know 10 o'clock already here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, so um and again we get some paranormal. So last time yes. we had uh a ghost and now we are looking at um somebody who thinks they are a thinks they are anyway, a vampire. This is a right. vampire book. Yep. And um well, so kinda. I I don't know if you <laughs> huh? I said well kind of Kind of, yeah. Um, so just real quickly on our um, Instagram, mm-hmm. I put up a poll to see like oh. where people are as far as paranormal. Okay. And um, we are 50-50 really uh, in terms of people that answered this poll who like paranormal in in the books okay Um, so you asked just specifically about these books 
Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I just, yeah. I basically just said, um, do you like paranormal in the in death series? Okay. Gotcha. And I yeah. only gave him the options of yes and no. Okay. So about 50, 50, about 50, 50, um, four out of 14 votes. I mean, it's not a lot, but you know, right. I think it's been yeah. running 50, 50 all day. So, you know, some people like it. Some people don't. I'm in the no paranormal um, yes. category. I know you, you all are. know that. But with this one, at the very least, we got ambiguity, you know, um, yes. which is what I want. If it's going to be paranormal in this particular series, I want some ambiguity because I want to make my own decision about whether or not this guy is in fact a um, vampire. Right. <laughs> I agree. and But I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of in that same camp because I love paranormal as a genre. But in these books, yeah, I'm with you there. It's just not yeah. so much. It's, you know. Yeah, I don't mind a good paranormal. Yeah. So, yeah, I just feel like it's very, um, yeah, it's odd to kind of shoehorn it into this series. So, right. especially like, you know, like, and again, we'll get there, possession. You know, we both, <laughs> even I'm just like, you know, the ghost thing, eh, I can get past that. I'm, I'm okay with that. But the, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's odd. It just seems weird. And again, if that book... We'll we'll talk about it when we get there. But if that book had had somebody else, like another character, right. not, not one of the regulars, but just somebody that right. was in somebody that else book, being possessed, yeah, then you know, then maybe that, yeah, that would have made it better for me. But I mean, having he possessed, I was like a little too much. Yeah, but okay, make some goulash. Yeah. <laughs> so. um <laughs> Anyway, so this book, we see in the prologue a Tiara Kent dressed, mm -hmm. dressing for her date, her upcoming date. And she's, there's, um, it kind of hints that there's specific instructions, like whoever's coming right. over has given her specific instructions as to how she should dress and what she should do. Yeah. Especially in terms of she gave drugs to her dog so her dog would sleep. Right. And she left the doors unlocked. Yeah, I shut her security down. And right, yeah. yeah. And she's thinking about some sort of ritual, right? And he had given her some sort of drink to drink. That, right. Yeah, that included human blood, which is see. This is yeah. why I can't get past like vampires. <laughs> right. The thought of drinking blood or doing anything with blood is like. That's why I'm not in healthcare. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah, I don't I mind can't. blood. I don't mind the sight of blood. I don't mind dealing with blood. But yeah, drinking it, that's a little, that's a little too far. But yeah, I don't mind reading about it. Um, so yeah, so she's thinking about this ritual that um, whoever's coming over is going to perform. Right. And it says that she knew that after the ritual, she would die and lose her soul. But feels like she she's been told that she will awaken later and would be immortal. Right. So um, and I think there were uh, there. I remember on the forum, there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not Nora based this character on Paris Hilton. 
Paris Hilton. Yeah. That was literally my first thought when I read this book the first time. Yeah. That was my very first thought because that I, this was like, this was like the Paris Hilton heyday when this book came out. Yes. Like she was everywhere and she yeah. was so fucking annoying and you just wanted she to scream is. every time you saw her. And yeah. You still so, do. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't hear much about her anymore. I don't pay that close of attention. So I guess. I mean, right. but maybe out, maybe out there in California, you guys hear more than I do, but yeah. I fancy California. Don't. Yeah. Fancy, Cal- yeah, fancy <laughs> California. <laughs> you gotta be fancy in California. Those are the rules. That was cute. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if she. Oh, not one did. bit. Yeah. Because Paris Hilton is exactly the type of person that Nora cannot deal with it's just like whatever <laughs> i think i'm gonna kill her off in one of my books yeah absolutely and this is the one because she seems like the type of person that would want immortality oh, yeah. like <laughs> she seems the type of person that would do this because she's just so fucking dumb right um so chapter one we see eve uh coming in to the scene and examining uh this did we say the name? Tiara Kent. Tiara Kent, yep. Uh, examining her body as it laid sprawled on her bed. She noticed two puncture holes on the side of her neck that, according to Peabody, looked like a classic vampire bite. And, you know, Eve being Eve, she's like, okay, whatever. Ooh, Peabody <laughs> cracks me up in this book, though. She's so into it. She's like, this is a vampire. I know it. <laughs> Yeah, Eve's <laughs> just not. She's not having it. Like, she is not having it at all. No, like, don't be dumb. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, Eve instructed Peabody to um, speak to Building Security while she spoke to the maid Estella Cruz. The head of Building Security told Peabody that Tiara had disengaged her security every night for the last week. So this was, this guy was coming in every single night. So I got this outline again off of the wiki, and I wonder if the person who did it was um, British because she's saying uh, the, the maid, Estella Cruz, confirmed that Tierra had been in love for a fortnight. Like, <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> That's fantastic. This is one of those books that um, I don't think you can get it on its own. No, you um, can't. I think you can get the audio by itself, but I don't yeah, think you can get it. Yeah, I don't but think you can get the book itself. Again, the audio is not connected to the book. So right. like I, when I usually listen to the audio, I listen to it as it's being, you know, with the book so I can follow along. But this is one of those right. that I couldn't. Oh, okay. It says Peabody angled her head. Leaned down with her dark eyes wide and bright. Come on, Dallas, you know what it looks like. And Eve says, it looks like a dead body. Looks like the Vic had a date that went over the top. There's going to be a legal center system. Something that dulled her down or hyped her up enough for her killer to jab something into her throat. Or, yeah, sink his teeth into it if he had the incisors filed to points or was wearing an appliance. Then he bled her out and she'd lay there and let him. And Peabody says, I'm just saying it looks like your classic vampire bite. And Eve says, we'll put an APB on Dracula. I mean, that couldn't hurt. <laughs> well, 
Peabody. So I was gonna say there's another section here that's kind of confirms that what was she known for? Clubbing, show hopping, shopping, scandals, the usual for a fourth generation mega rich kid. Right. So yeah, I mean, come on now. <laughs> yeah. And she had a best friend who was yeah. almost the same. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So so the uh, maid confirmed that Tiara had told her she was in love, but uh, the maid said she never met Tiara's new lover. She had found Tiara dead when she had come to work earlier that morning and notified security. On Eve's request, she examined Tiara's jewelry to discover that some of the pieces were missing. Which, come on, guy, that's real basic. Stealing somebody's jewelry. So, chapter two, Eve notifies Tiara, Tiara's parents on the link, then heads to Tiara's BFF's house. The BFF is Daffodil Wheats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daffodil says that Tiara had met her latest lover at a club called Bloodbath and had nicknamed him the Dark Prince because she thought he was a vampire. Since she had been quarreling with Tiara, she hadn't met him. Yeah, British. The use of quarreling is a tip-off. Yeah, and so, yeah, Tiara thought this guy was a vampire. And as they left um, Daffodil's apartment, Peabody says, didn't I say vampire? I said vampire right off. And Eve says, and our Vic's going to be deeply disappointed when she just stays dead. And ask Peabody to track down the club. Blah, blah. And Peabody says, it's not like I believe in the undead or anything. But it wouldn't hurt once we find this guy to interview him during the day. In a room with good <laughs> natural lighting. <laughs> and he says, sure. Oh, and Peabody. requisition some garlic and some wooden steaks while you're at it. And Peabody says, Really? And he says, no. <laughs> Reach down inside yourself, Peabody, and get a grip on reality, however slippery. <laughs> and then they then they go to uh, the morgue and they talk to Morris. It says she glanced down at the body. Morris hadn't made his white cut. What can you tell me from just the visual? And Morris says, Lieutenant, this woman is dead. And Eve says, Peabody, note that down. We've got a dead woman. And he says, with some excellent breastwork and some very first class sculpting, belly and butt. So this was somebody who was very overly concerned about their appearance. Yes. And the, the prologue tells you that too, you know, that she was overly concerned with getting old. She didn't want to get old. It says since, so Morris told Eve that Tiara had been, what was that word, Jen? Exsanguinated? Exsanguinated. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> they're going to say it several times, so I should probably get used to saying it. But she had been exsanguinated through two punctures in her carotid artery. Since no blood had been found at the crime scene, they assumed that the killer had taken it with him. There were no other signs of violence, struggle, or restraints on the body. Morris thought that she had been thoroughly drugged, which she had. He was right. Well, yeah. 
Um, while Peabody tried to track down the club and its owners, Eve dealt with the media, updated the murder board in her office, requested a meeting with Dr. Mira, and arranged to meet Rourke at Cop Central in the evening so he could accompany her to Blood Black. Blah, blah. Blah, blah. Blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, that place. It's not that an place. easy word to say. Blood. Bath. It's not. No, I agree. And I think it was, I think Rourke volunteered himself actually to go to the club because she called him and said that she was going to go to this club. Yes. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming with you. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, it's Rourke. I mean, yeah. So yeah, he's, he's not going to let her. <laughs> yeah. No, I love this when she tells him though. Multi-millionaire bad girl murdered in her luxury penthouse. His eyebrows lifted. Word travels. How did she die? Vampire bite. That again? (laughs) (laughs) He said it made her laugh. (sighs) You know. Yeah. Same old, same old. (laughs) So, yeah, he he tells her that he's going to be there. Yep. And he says, you can't expect me to pass up the opportunity to accompany my wife into the den of the undead. (laughs) <laughs> i just like how he says stuff no yeah <laughs> tiara's mother iris francine and her husband giorgio francine came to central to talk to eve iris said that her relationship with her daughter had been troubled and mentioned that tiara had been obsessed with defeating age and looking young dr mira found eve in the lounge and just as she was finished interviewing the Francines, Mira suggests the possibility that the murderer had Reinfeld's syndrome. Renfeld syndrome. Renfeld's syndrome. Yeah. It's really um, Jen, think how can we never want to pronounce the I in a I? No, because word. there isn't an I in it, is there? Well, this no, is Reinfeld. So it's no, Renfeld. It's Renfeld. <gasps> Somebody Somebody, yeah, uh, they spelled it wrong on the wiki because it's uh, Renfield. Uh, <laughs> that's an actual that's condition. Not, I know what it's called. <laughs> you're like, I know that word. I know how to pronounce it. Yeah, anything medical, I should just trust you on. Yeah, no, it's Renfield. Okay. And I'm sorry. What what is Renfield's syndrome? They actually believe they're vampires. Okay. I'm assuming yeah. it's named after a guy named Renfield who thought he was a vampire. I, so. <laughs> I don't know. Psych's not my specialty. Right. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't know who it's named after. <laughs> <laughs> we should look this up before we did this show. This is why we should we have Terry should have. Chapter four. Eve receives confirmation that an impressive list of drugs, including a date, uh, date rape drugs, sexual enhancers, and tranquilizers were found in Tiara's body. She asked Peabody to run the cocktail by illegals. Another report announced that the murderer's DNA had been found in the saliva, semen, and blood left behind on Tiara. Rourke arrives just in time for the trip to Bloodbath, and Eve updates him on the case. McNabb swings by her office and offers her to accompany them to the club as well. In the car, they discuss the authenticity of the vampire legend. Then, in pairs, they navigate their way through New York's underground tunnels to the club, 
where Rourke bribes the bouncers to procure entry. Inside, Eve approached a bartender, Alessaria Carter, and demanded that she get a hold of the person in charge. As she waited, Eve shows her tiara's picture. Alessaria claims ignorance, but Eve saw that she was just frightened and obviously lying. Sorry. Sorry. Go go ahead. I was looking up I was looking up why Renfeld syndrome is called <laughs> Renfeld syndrome. <laughs> okay. And it's named after R.M. Renfeld, Dracula's human follower in the nineteen or the eighteen ninety seven novel by Bram Stoker. Oh. Its technical name is clinical vampirism. Okay. So now we know. Now we know. <laughs> the more you know. The more you know. So, um, you know, when they go into the bar, it it's described as creepy, creepy. Uh, the club was three levels dark and smoky with the pentagram bar as the center. A stage jetted out on a second level where a band played the kind of music that bashed into the chest like hurled stones. Fog crept over it like writhing snakes. Patrons sat at the bar at metal tables, lurked in corners, and danced on platforms. Nearly all wore black, and nearly all were under were well under thirty. There were some privacy booths, and some some were already occupied with couples or small groups smoking what was likely illegal substances inside the domes or groping each other. Uh, Eve's gaze traveled up to note there were private rooms on the third level. The club had a live sex license, and no doubt all manner of acts transpire, transpired behind the doors. And I, I feel like somebody says something about that there was like blood, like piped in, like the smell of blood or something like that piped in. No, I think that was in ceremony. Was it? Mm-hmm. What should be here too? It, it should be. Like I agree. I, you know, it seems like place that would have that. Oh yeah. Um, well, you know, they add blood to their drinks, so I guess that's just as bad. Yeah. So while they're standing at the bar, um, Alisaria serves a drink to a guy, and um, it says the drink was served in a tall glass that bubbled and smoked. He downed it where he stood, throat rippling then set the glass down with a snarling grin that flashed pointed incisors. Eve literally felt Peabody shudder beside her. Jesus, this place is creepy. <laughs> and of course, Eve is like a bunch of show and theater. Mm -hmm. Then Dorian Vadim makes an appearance. It says, Eve saw him coming down the corkscrew steps from the top level. He was dressed in black as would be expected. His hair was black as well, reigned past his shoulders, a sharp contrast to the white skin of his face. And that face had a hard and sensual beauty that compelled the eye. Um, he moved gracefully, a lithe black cat. As he reached the second level, a blonde rushed toward him, gripped his hand. Uh, there was a pathetic desperation about her as she leaned into him. He simply trailed his fingers down her cheeks, shook his head, then he bent to capture her mouth in a deep kiss with his, as his hands slid under her short skirt, rubbed naked, exposed flesh. So this guy's a creep. Oh, uh, yeah. 
It says he crossed the main level and his eyes locked with Eve's. She felt the jolt. She could admit it. His eyes were like ink deep and dark and hooded. And as he walked to her, his lips curved in a smile. And in the smile, she saw something that didn't cause that quick physical jolt, but a deep and churning physical dread. Mm -hmm. So in chapter five, the first thing it says, she knew what she saw when she looked at him. She saw in those pitch dark eyes, her greatest single fear. She saw her father. There was no physical resemblance between the man before her and the one who had tormented and abused her for the first eight years of her life. It went, she understood, deeper than physical. Its surface was a calculated charm thinly coated over an indifferent cruelty. Under it all was utter disregard for anything approaching the human code. The monster that it had lived in her father looked at her now out of Dorian Vadim's eyes. And, you know, he knows Rourke, of course, because Rourke because is Rourke. Yeah. And um, as they're questioning this guy, you know, he's kind of flirting with Eve a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't go over well with Rourke. Uh, you think? <laughs> Rourke's not at all possessive at all. No. Not a bit. She asks him about Tiara. He says that he recognized Tiara from... When she had visited the club earlier, but says they have, hadn't had sex. When Eve mentioned DNA, he used a syringe from the bar to draw blood and give it to Eve. So that, that was kind of creepy. Yeah. I'll give you my blood right now. He said he spent most nights at the club and used Alisaria as his alibi for the previous night. Once outside, they all separated, with Peabody McNabb heading to the lab with the blood sample while Eve decided to work from home. She looked Vadim up to find a lengthy criminal record. Alisaria, on the other hand, came up clean. Uh, Even Rourke agreed that Vadim had an evil air about him. Rourke called him soulless and says, back at the mansion, they have sex. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it does happen. I I mean, I think Rourke was a little annoyed, you know. Well, yes. I mean, he was, yeah, annoyed that... um, the guy was flirting with Eve. So, well, yeah, no, I just love this exchange. It was, so it must be disappointed. We didn't give him a reaction or much of one on your part. More puzzled. I think. Okay. Why didn't you slap him back? It was tempting, but more satisfying to let him wonder. In any case, he's not your type. Nah, I don't go for tall, dark, gorgeous types who exude sexuality like breath. You don't go for sociopaths. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yep. It's true. He said, you got that right. Besides, I'm taller. <laughs> <laughs> but still. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what a goof. Of course, they step in and it says, um, there's Somerset and Eve says, I always figured vampires look like that. Pale, bony, dour, <laughs> and dead. Yep. So, but yeah, I mean, he, he, Rourke was a little, you know, yeah. being a little possessive. And yeah. so it was kind of, it was a quick so toxic. sex scene and kind of very, um, not rough, but frantic. No. Yeah. You know, a little bit on Rourke's part. I mean, I they're so toxic though. It, it It's terrible. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're just, um, you know, whatever. 
And then afterwards, um, he says, I believe I was a bit more than mildly annoyed by having some poster boy for Dracula hit on my wife in front of my face. Eve says, worked for me. And (laughs) also says, you know, feel better. And he says, considerably, thanks. Then she says, anytime. You know what? I feel like a big, fat hunk of red meat. How about you? <laughs> um, which is kind of gross. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking like that. that. And like, I never connected that. But now I'm like, mm, that's a yeah. little. Uh, yeah. It's maybe you should have gone for chicken, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just have a or salad pizza? tonight or something? <laughs> Can we just have vegetables tonight? (laughs) No meat. No blood involved. So over dinner, Eve uh, backtracked through Vadim's criminal record, speaking to cops all over America and Europe. Rourke's unregistered... um, Oh, Rourke's unregistered look at his financials yielded the information that despite the losses his club was making the balance of Vadim's bank account was steadily growing. Eve told Rourke about how Vadim reminded her of her father, that when he looked at her, she thought he could see the defenseless child she had been. Rourke suggested she speak to Mira about her feelings, but she declined and they went back to work. So, at Bloodbath, Alisaria finished her shift and left the club. Once she was on street level, she dug out her link from her bag to contact Eve's office because she just wasn't feeling good about having to lie. Yeah. She wasn't feeling good about working in that place anyway. And right. you know, now having the police come in and question this guy about somebody's murder, and she was like, yeah, I'm not having this. Yeah. So she decides to call Eve, but she reached Eve's voicemail instead. As she started to leave a message, someone swooped out of the darkness, lifted her off the ground and dragged her into a nearby dark, dark corner where she was killed. That would make me sad. It does make you really sad because she talks about how she has a son. Yeah. And how she's, working these hours so that she could take care of him so that they could get a house and you know she's uh, a divorce or she not with the son's father anymore and she wants to right. you know have a good life for him and so yeah um yeah it's just sad she's just seemed like a decent she's trying to person. do the right thing and yeah yeah this was one of the murders that yeah i was really sad about I think it was the next morning that she got, she finally looked at her messages, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. It's the minute she was dressed in the morning. I'm going to check my home office machine, see if I got anything from the lab. Right. And work transferred, work transfers them to her link. Right. And, um, it was a, a visual, like it was a, Mm -hmm. you know, a visual message. So Eve could see that at the, at the end of it, Eve could see that she, somebody had jumped out and grabbed her. So right away she knew that something was up. Um, so she and Rourke run out of the house. Eve contacted dispatch with uh, Alisaria's address. 
as Rourke drove them there. When the apartment was reported empty, Eve ordered a search of a five-block radius. In Alsaria's neighborhood, Eve zeroed in on an abandoned building as a possible scene of the crime. Because it wasn't a great neighborhood. Right. Um, Eve deputized Rourke and gave him her clutch piece. Uh, Nice, Eve. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, mean, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. I guess. It wouldn't be the first time. No. And, you know, why not? But why wasn't I? Why wasn't Rourke carrying his own? Well, because him carrying his own is illegal. At least if Eve gives like her, he cares. Gives him He's constantly got <laughs> I know, his own. But I'm just saying, at least if she gives him hers, it's all good, you know. Yeah, but she, yeah, she does ask him, "Are you carrying anything besides half the wealth of the world in your pocket?" And he says, "Burglary tools." Why does he always have burglary tools, but not a weapon? <laughs> That's a- Excellent question. Why does he I, always? Yeah, I forgot, why? I forgot Bur- my why weapon. Always but, have burglary tools. Yeah, he puts on his pants and it's like button burglary tools. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, yep. I mean, gotta have those. Two things. I mean, old habits die hard. No I'm sure. Yeah, no oh. weapon, but burglary tools. Work your dumbass. Sometimes we swear. He's got a set. He puts it in every single pair of his pants. Maybe they're just like sewn into his pockets. He's sewn into his pocket. Yeah. You know what? If I was Rourke, that's exactly what would happen. You just sew those in your pockets because then. <laughs> just like he's got little like slots for all of them in, in yeah. his pockets and all of his pants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, please stop you. you. Like, no, I don't have anything yeah. in my pocket. See? Like cleaning them, and the first thing he does is stick the burglary tools in. Yeah. See, you're all, you're all set for the day. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, Rourke. <sighs> so. Eve gives Rourke her clutch piece and they kick the door in to this building and find Alceria on the floor with a pool of blood around her and puncture wounds in her throat. Eve examines the scene and determines that Alceria has been beaten and raped. Then her body had been set up as <laughs> this person. Her body had been set up as to make a cocky statement. <laughs> Cocky statement. Alisaria's <laughs> <laughs> um, ex-husband, Rick Sabo, arrived and was questioned. And, and that was another thing that was very sad. Oh, very sad. Um, because she said, you know, you could tell that there was still love there. Yeah. You know, the guy st- like collapsed right away when they told him mm-hmm. and started crying. And what am I going to tell our son? Yeah. And, you know, and said, you know, I told her not to work there. Yeah. I wasn't, he wasn't comfortable with her working there and I don't blame him. Yeah. Cause creepy. And didn't yeah, he say I, he went down there one time he did, to check the place out and he so. was not, yeah. there was not a good vibe. Right. Yeah. Which, duh. Yeah. The lab contacted Eve to tell her that Vadim's blood did not match the DNA found on Tiara. Fuming, Eve instructed Rourke to work with Feeney on cleaning up the video from Alisaria's message to see if they could get a glimpse of the killer. She told Peabody to make sure that Morris personally collected the DNA from the corpse and sent it to the lab. Even Peabody considered and then immediately dismissed the possibility that Vadim had Alisaria killed by someone else. Then they went to the lab where Eve asked Dickie Berensky to try to match the blood they got from Vadim 
with a deceased donor. After the usual pissing match. Right. And it, it makes sense, like, that Yeah. if that's not his blood, whose is it? And Right. While they waited, Eve tagged Feeney and filled him in. Dickie found a match in the system, Gregor Pensky, a Bulgarian who had been dead a year prior. So even Peabody discussed that Vadim might have other victims too. Eve recalled Mira's initial profile that Vadim was suffering from a mental illness, but said that she thought it was more likely that he was running a con based on vampire lore, which makes quite a bit of sense. I mean, clearly he's got some kind of sleight of hand thing happening. If he can fool them into thinking he's taking, he's actually taking blood out of his own arm, but um, it ends up being somebody else's blood. So So it says, back at her bullpen, Eve found that Baxter had hung clumps of garlic from the door as a joke. (laughs) Oh, Baxter. Oh, Baxter. We love you. She commandeered his computer and confirmed that Penske, too, had been found with puncture wounds on his neck. Uh, She contacted Morris, who confirmed that Alisaria had been exsanguinated. Is that correct? You said it right. All right. Yay! (laughs) And the same drug cocktail had been found that had been found in Tierra had been transferred into her body via the neck wounds. The DNA retrieved from the body had been sent to the lab for comparison. Eve decided to go back to Bloodbath to re-interview Vadim. And this time, she took Baxter and Trueheart with her. Vadim refuses to provide Eve with another DNA sample and stated that he was unable to tolerate sunlight due to religious reasons and wouldn't accompany Eve to Cop Central. He had a legal document protecting him. His sexual partner for the night, Kendra Lake, provided him with an alibi for the time when Alisaria had been killed. Trueheart recognized the look in her eyes and told Eve that she was definitely drugged to the eyeballs. But that's no surprise. Uh, Shocking. Yeah. Eve tells Baxter and Trueheart to go to EDD and look for a connection between Vadim and Penske. Peabody was told to track down Tiara's missing jewelry in case the killer had tried to sell it. Then Eve tries to convince APA Cher Rio to get a warrant that would allow her to drag Vadim into interview, despite the legal order protecting his religious rights. Rio says that the warrant would never be granted because the evidence wasn't enough. She promised to do some research and offered to get Eve a warrant to search bloodbath for illegals. So Eve tracks down Rourke and Feeney and EDD and learns that they didn't have any information from the video that would hold up in court. Eve decides to use the video to scare Vadim into thinking they have solid proof against him. This says Rourke don't, didn't, doesn't like Eve's plan to go into bloodbath without backup. Yeah, it's true. But managed to convince him that they had, that any other approach would send Vadim into hiding. Yeah, so that's, well, I mean, it's just, it's just like, it's, they're, skipping over a lot I right think. yeah because they question vadim and let me just say that this whole religious exemption thing is bullshit <laughs> it really is and it's I kind mean, of like i can't be exposed to sunlight because of religious that's just dumb 
That's completely dumb. I could see he, it if it was medical reasons. Yeah, why doesn't but, he say medical reasons? Yeah. That seems better because yeah. religious reasons just seem stupid to say. Like, <laughs> it can't be in the sun because like, so religion. What, you think you can't be out in the sun, so <laughs> therefore you, like, what? That's what? really, well, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of different beliefs out there. So, I mean, I guess, but still, it seems like a dumb still. excuse that you could, I feel like you could say, like, you know, medical reasons, since there is, in fact, medical conditions in which you can't go outside in the right. sun. That you can't, yeah, you can't tolerate sunlight. Right. But. So it seems like that would be the better thing to say, but whatever. You'd think, yeah. <laughs> oh, Tara's out her way. Oh, okay. <laughs> she asked if we were still recording, and I said, yeah, and she said, I'm coming now. Yeah, we're still recording. Yep. Yay. So, yeah, so they tried to f- try to get like noises since they couldn't really see his face on this um video right. that uh, Alisaria had sent. They tried just to get like voices, yeah. footsteps, blah blah. Um and um but there wasn't enough to do a voice print. Right. And he says he doesn't have to know that. Maybe what we've got is just enough to shake him to make him think we have more. Feeney grinned at Rourke, tapped a finger to his temple. She's got something cooking up there. And he <laughs> says, yeah, I do. This time we con the con. Mm-hmm. And says, Rourke stepped into Eve's office, closed the door. <laughs> I don't like it. Well, no shit. <laughs> We're shocked at that, Rourke. Right? Hello. Oh, hey, there's Tara. Hi. Hi. <laughs> So we're just at the part where they're they've decided to go and take this guy down. You know, Eve's gonna trick him into revealing okay. all. Yeah. Um, do you have any feelings about this book? Like the first part of it, the uh the bad guy, anything? Um, this is maybe one of my least favorites. <laughs> because um it's very melodramatic. I just find it to be melodramatic. It is. In yeah. in like a way that, that doesn't even serve the like the absurdity of vampires. It's just melodramatic to me. <laughs> just melodramatic for know, melodrama's said, sake. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I mean, I've I've always I've always kind of been like in general, it's it's gotta be harder to to try to write something a little more meaningful with these characters in a shorter book anyway of course um but all of the comparisons between um what's his fucking face damien dorian vadim dorian Dorian. yeah it's been a week since i've read the book um dorian and her father i i i don't yeah yeah Yeah. that seemed like a stretch It, it makes it kind of it kind of lessens the the severity and the the direness of her of what the history with her father is to me yeah it just it it i think it would have been better served yeah i think it just would have been better served to not make such a heavy comparison but Mm -hmm. i think i understand why it would be because you know this is potentially a first story about these characters people would be reading because that's where the Developers are sitting. So 
I understand like trying to make sure that we're drawing all those parallels. So people would know what they're getting into if they are getting into the series. Right. But, um, it It's not, in my opinion, the best. <laughs> no. So, some some great some great banter and one great oh, yeah. stuff in this yeah. one though. I mean, to me, this is one of the funnier novellas. I think there are a lot of really really funny moments, especially yeah. with Peabody and her whole yeah. and Baxter, you know, we, yeah. and Baxter and his yeah. So, yeah. um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's my overall. Okay. <laughs> So as far as the takedown goes, I think my problem with it is that it's rushed, but it has to be because it's a, mm-hmm. it's a shorter novella. Yeah. It's very rushed. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we don't really even talk about it. It would really even talk about like Eve having this idea or what she plans to do. Right. Like, you know, so um, it just seems like really rushed. Um, so. And so Rourke says to her, well, Rourke comes to her and says that he's not happy with her wanting to go in there. And, you know, nobody's surprised. Right. And well, nobody's surprised okay. by that. <laughs> what does Rourke say first? Hang on. Find a way to shut down the club. Illegals raid will put him out of business. And Eve says, sure, we could do that. We will do that. And if that's all we do, he'll be smoke. There are fronts for the businesses. You said so yourself, and it'd take time um, I, we don't have to cut through them and dig down to him. By then he's gone. And Rourke says, all right, even agreeing with that, that that's true or very likely, it doesn't justify you going in alone. You're setting it up this way because the DNA crashed on you and you're blaming yourself. And Eve says, that's not true. Sure, it pisses me off that he pulled one over on me, but I'm not doing this to even the score. And she says to him, okay, look, I go in there with troops and other badges. He's not going to talk, even if he sticks around long enough for me to corner him. He doesn't have to stick around at this point. I can't even pry him above ground and get him in the box for an interview. It has to be on his turf, and it has to be between him and me. And Rourke says, why on that last point? And Eve says, why didn't you like him from the get? And Rourke says, um, because he scoped my wife. And Eve says, yeah, he'd like to take a bite, not only because I'm the cop looking after, looking at him, but because I'm married to you. Uh, be a big ego kick to him to score off, off you. That's said really weirdly. And if he thinks he has a shot at that, he'll take it and I'll be ready. So, I mean, you know, what she's saying here isn't, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. That he flirted yeah. with her and he kind of, you know, yeah, he would want to yeah. score off Rourke. And it does kind of make sense that she go in there and try to get him to talk. So it's, it's always funny when Rourke gets like upset about these things. Cause you're like, really, what, what are you expecting? Right. Rourke? Well, I mean, I get it. What he's, what he's saying. And like, he doesn't want her to go in alone. So at least go in with Peabody. But again, you know, the guy wouldn't talk. Yeah. If that's the case. To her amusement, Rourke gives Eve a cross to keep her safe. Uh, Eve fills <laughs> the team in on the plan. 
<clears throat> she wants to get as many civilians out of the club as possible without alerting Vadim. The aim is to get him, but only after Eve has collected enough evidence from him and given the signal. Baxter gives her a wooden stake to use as protection against the vampire and laughed as he termed her Eve Dallas Vampire Slayer. So great. <laughs> it, it really is. Eve beat up the bouncers at Bloodbath and strode in straight towards Vadim. Then she says she wanted to talk to him in private. He took her into his office. But I don't know about you guys, but even though you know that Eve is like planning this and it's all a ruse, it was slightly uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. Because he is so gross. Right. Like, but she's got to act like she's like really into him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which was kind of uncomfortable. It was because we know Eve, though. We're also like, okay. Right. Eve kind of tells him that she doesn't have a warrant for his arrest, but she knew that he was responsible for the two murders. She told him that she felt different around him and had to know what he did. She got him to switch off the screens on which he surveyed the club from his office, which was smart. Recognizing the signal, Feeney sent all the ba- sent in all the backup teams, including Rourke. Uh, Eve continues to let Vadim think she's interested in his lifestyle until he acknowledges that death excites him. Then she tells him that she had a voice print match from Alisaria's link message. While this is all happening, the club is chaotic after the police storms in and announces the raid. As everyone deals with the furious, intoxicated clientele, Rourke fights to make his way to Eve in the private office. Uh, Eve continues to taunt Vadim, telling him that they had linked him to Penske and they would get a warrant to search his office and home for the rest of Tiara's blood. He leaps at her and keeps coming even as Eve fires her center at him. They fight until Eve is on the floor hurt. Vadim promises to turn her into a vampire like him, sure that he would succeed with her because, unlike Tiara... She was strong enough. (laughs) Feeney and Rourke bypass the office locks. They break the door down to find Eve nearly unhurt while Vadim lay on the floor, the wooden stake in his stomach. (laughs) Rourke carries Eve out of the club while Feeney and Peabody take over the responsibility of getting Vadim checked in by the MTs and transporting him to Cop Central. Doesn't Peabody say something like, oh my God, you you actually staked him? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And she's like, she's like, it should have been the heart. <laughs> really should have been the heart. Well, you know, I mean, yes, but. Yeah. It's supposed to be the heart. She heard Peabody mutter. It's really supposed to be the heart. <laughs> Keep it up, Peabody. And I may have Mira shrink your head after she's done with the second rate Dracula. I want some damn air. I'm going up to the real world. Yeah. I mean, I can't blame her. Sitting outside the club, Eve took. Uh, a blocker that Rourke gives her. She tells him that while Vadim was on some Zeus cocktail, he had believed as Mira had suspected that he really was a vampire. She thanks uh, Rourke for the cross because it had brought her some time in the fight. Cause he, of course, like, you know, ding dong. Cause he thought he was a vampire. He saw the cross and was like, <laughs> <gasps> he shrinks away from it. Like, like you do Fucking as a vampire. Idiot. You really believe your shit, dude. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> they discussed the different faces of evil and how Vadim was crazy, but her father had been simply evil. She pulled out her communicator to get an update from Peabody. She promised to wrap up the case and Eve headed home with Rourke by sunrise. Oh, so yeah, I mean, this was another short book. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was entertaining. It was, yeah. I mean, somewhat yeah. silly, <laughs> silly, somewhat, no, yes. somewhat entertaining, um, somewhat entertaining. Yes. Do we have commendations for this book? I gotta go with Peabody just for smart ass. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Alisera. Alisera. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I yeah, we talked about that before you came in, that, yeah, that, that her murder made us sad. Yeah. yeah. It really is sad. I mean, in a short book like this, it, you have a hard time, like, connecting with the characters that aren't regulars. And, um, but in this case, you really kind of feel for her. And later on, when her ex-husband shows up, you kind of feel for him. Yeah. But at least, yeah, she does the right thing at, in the end, Alisaria. That's sad. I mean, she loses her life for it, but unfortunately. I know. I'm going to give my commendation to Baxter because really. <sighs> I mean, yeah. If, you know, Why not? I mean, he gave her that stake and that, yeah. you know, that really yeah. helped in the time yes. that she really, really needed did. it. So, I it mean, it really did. I yep. mean, and who knows? Maybe the garlic helped too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I would give a secondary commendation to Nora just for killing Paris Hilton. Just saying. There you <laughs> go. Wow. Um. Uh, so, do you? So, Jen, do you kind of um, at any point in time have you ever kind of sought Goran Vishnich as uh, Dorian Vidi? Not as this character. No. No. You're like, no, what? No. Why? Why would you? What Why? I think it'd be a great because part for an actor. Lauren's not a creep. I mean, he plays a creep pretty well, but yeah, I'm I'm not, not saying creep. like personally, like, <laughs> does this remind you of like do you I think Lauren Vision is just like, a closet fun? vampire? I'm just saying, like, to play this part. Well, he was gonna play Dracula at one point, but See? that fell through with the pandemic, but which I would have loved and pissed that that didn't get picked up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. But just not this guy. I don't know. This, this guy, guy just creeps me out way too much. So I yeah. just. He's a lot. It, yeah, he yeah. is a lot. You're right. I can't, you know, Warren's one of my favorite actors. I don't, I don't want to imagine him <laughs> as this guy. I mean. I'm going to keep him as the Russian gangster for now. I like that. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'll Maybe put Aiden Turner enough. in there if you want. <laughs> no, what? he seems like a nice guy, too. I mean, he's played a vampire, so... um, Yeah, that's true. I easily see him in this role. Okay. Um, I could I could see Gordon in this role, honestly. I mean, he did play, <laughs> he did play Jimmy Angela, for God's uh, sake. You know what? I think Gordon would have a ball in this role. Oh, he personally. would. He would love it. He loves that shit. Yeah. So, Bastard. okay. Um, so any other thoughts about this book? I don't think we got a lot of feedback. No, not a lot about the book at all. A lot of people <laughs> haven't read it. Yeah, they either haven't read it or they've only read it the one time. 
Maureen mm-hmm. Lee says, I love how Morris and Dallas interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just in general. But yeah, in this book, too. Yeah. Book Dragon said, I have to admit, outside Midnight and Interlude, I have only read each novella once. They're not part of my series rereads that Midnight and Interlude were for years. I vaguely remember this one, but we'll need to reread to refresh my memory. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else pretty much says, yep, same. <laughs> I feel like this one was a lot more rushed. It's it seemed a lot more rushed than like Haunted did. Yeah. yeah. A bit. Haunted did seem more like a complete story than this was. Yeah. I feel like this one was yeah. this one wanted to be a, a bigger story and so a lot of stuff caught got caught cut yeah. out and then, you know. Yep. So it wasn't quite the story that I wanted. Right. Um, and I will say oh, that I feel like I remembered liking it more last time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like a little bit more cheesy than Haunted, yeah. I think. Even though Haunted was pretty cheesy. I feel like all of these novellas are cheesy. They are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I get that she's probably like, writing them just for fun i think that you know not that she doesn't see regular in-death books as being fun to write but i feel like with the novellas she felt like she could kind of just like let it all out like write whatever i want you know yep um interestingly there's a lot of really fun reviews about this book Really? Oh, good. So when we do review okay. the reviews, that's going to be really fun. Yeah, there's there's a ton of like okay. really fun ones. Um, good and bad. Okay. So um, Okay. I'm excited. So all right, let's move on to podcast business then. All right. We we did podcast business before the show. Um, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, for Tara, because we read some um, Audible reviews, reviews, Audible. reviews that, that people gave to us on Audible. Oh, and okay. for the most part, they're, um, they're really good. They're I good. mean, you know, most yeah. people are really, give us some really good reviews, except for this one person put rambling and directionless. Half sentences, weird pauses, horrible sound quality, and giggling. Really. There is zero professionalism. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, we're not we'll fucking professionals. Are you getting paid for this shit? I'm not getting paid for this I'm shit. Not. No. No. I mean. So fuck off with this. We're not professional. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I mean, if people that are professional yeah obviously you're going to sound professional because they've got the money to do that right exactly so we could probably sound really professional if we were making all making a living off of just doing this podcast right it would sound amazing i'm sure (laughs) right and we wouldn't giggle we wouldn't well we might still giggle giggle. yeah i mean no we wouldn't We I don't I don't feel like we giggle and that we laugh. We laugh, yeah. None of us giggle. But you know, whatever. This podcast I'm, I totally giggle, but that's fine. 
Well, so what? This podcast is not for yeah. this person, and it's fine. Everybody else is giving yeah, us good okay. reviews, so yeah, yeah, it's fine. Except for the person that took issue with the fact that we didn't know the difference between, you know. Oh yeah, that, that was the other one, Tara. All- we have somebody. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what we said on one of our po- podcasts. This is clearly a response to something we said on a podcast and this person's review the title of it is scalpels in eve's world and the review says the scalpels in eve's world are laser scalpels and not your usual knife like but a laser beam that's it thanks (laughs) three stars three stars for that (laughs) people are strange well people are really strange so weird (laughs) um this is really, really, really off topic, but um, Tara wasn't with us when we did um, our briefing room this week. So right. um, I just need to know what Tara's, uh, what Tara thinks about Yacht Rock. Oh, yeah. About what? Yacht- <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Like, what? Yacht Rock. You know, songs that you listen to on your yacht. It's a category um, this, of music, Tara. This is a legit thing. It's a legit. For real. Well, I'll let you know if I ever ride on a yacht <laughs> what we listen to. Um, but no, is- we like it's and like all the music services have this uh, like playlist. I feel like it's Neil Diamond. I feel like Neil Diamond happens. Oh, I mean, he's got to be on there. Yeah, sure. he's he's on there. Yeah, but no, it's all it's all like seventies and eighties like soft rock, like Toto and. Pulling oats and Jesus. <laughs> Yacht rock. Yacht rock. It, it's a thing. And I was telling oh, Jen, like, um, it keeps popping up on my TikTok. People responding to Yacht Rock. Um, and uh yeah, it's all the stuff that I listen to like normally <laughs> in a day. It's all I've so apparently I'm yacht rock and I didn't really realize it until now. Jeez. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. So yeah, anyway. we explored this in depth in the briefing room because, yeah, so. you know, without you That's there, we, we go off on really ridiculous things. <laughs> so we got funny. into 80s movies and like how was, we both hate horror too. movies. And yeah. So, yeah. So all of this was on the briefing room. And if uh, you are a patron of ours, then you get that automatically and you will, you will have that, mm-hmm. you know, that conversation conversation about Yaw Rock and 80s movies. It was really yeah. fun. And uh, <laughs> if you want to become a patron, if you're not a patron yet, if you want to become a patron, just look for Podcast and Death on Patreon and you can become a patron. And you will get all of our briefing room episodes where we just talk about random shit for like a half mm-hmm. hour. Like Yacht Rock. It's like fun. Yacht Rock and 80s Like music. Yacht Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait for that. Honestly, one. it's like all the music that I like. And I was like, yeah. okay. I made myself a, a yacht rock playlist. Yeah. yeah, she was she was telling me about it. And I'm like, I use Amazon. I gotta look this up. And sure enough, it popped right up. <laughs> yacht rock. Yacht rock. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> we had a discussion of whether or not Rourke would listen to yacht rock. He doesn't have a yacht, so um yeah, it was a whole I still thing. think he would listen to the music. Oh yeah, definitely would. Yeah, I one hundred percent think he doesn't have a yacht. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so if you want to become a patron, you can yeah. do that by going to Patreon, and uh, there's a link on our website that we, you can go and be become a patron. Um, 
there's two levels. $4 gets you um, the show early if we get it done early. It also gets you all of our briefing room episodes if you want to listen to those. If you give it the $8 level, then you get swag. And it's some pretty cool swag. It's pretty cool so, swag. Um, other than that, if you want to find us anywhere else, you just look for Pockets and Death on... Did I say that correctly? I've been mispronouncing words like all night. <laughs> you know, look for podcasts and death. On- she lost her shit at me because she thought I was pronouncing Renfield syndrome wrong. She's like, no, it's Reinfeld. I'm like, no, it's not. The person that did this this outline spelled it incorrectly. And I remember they I was having spelled it that- wrong on the wiki. Yeah. And um I remember us having that discussion you about You just don't want to pronounce the I. I'm I, like, I, but no, well, it's yeah. It's Renfield. Well, <laughs> because when we had this discussion about Reineke, it was still the about same. Reineke, like, yes. I.E. And I was like, why aren't you pronouncing the eyes on these words? I don't understand. Like, you know, but it was but misspelled. No, it's Renfield. So I should, yes. and I said, I should just know that if it's a medical term, Jen knows it. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't, you know, yeah. question that. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> Look for us on all your social medias. Look for Podcast and Death on Instagram, yes. Twitter. We have a Facebook, Facebook page. We have a Discord server. Discord. You can go to our website. You can um, send us an email, show at podcastanddeath.com. You can call the number 205-476-2753, and that spells out 2054-Rourke. And I think that's it. This is going to yeah. be, a, hopefully, a very yeah. short episode. It's, we're at mm-hmm. one thirty right cool. now, but it's probably going to get there were cut a lot down. Of pauses. There's a lot of pauses. There were a lot of pauses. <laughs> you know, weird pauses. Weird what did pauses. This person say um, there was a lot of um, yeah half sentences, weird pauses, and horrible sound quality and giggling. Oh. Okay. There's a lot of zero professionalism. <laughs> yeah. Yep. This is that person is probably one of the people that leaves the pretentious asshole reviews. So yeah. It's right. Fine. Yeah, likely. So, anyway, so I guess that's it for podcast and death. Um, thank you, Tara, for joining us for this last little bit. We appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so happy. And um, <laughs> the rest of it will be a surprise to you, as will our briefing room episode this week. Yeah. All about yacht rock. Jesus, <laughs> yacht rock. <laughs> so anyway, um. We don't know what's what's upcoming next week. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I do have something. Um, our friend Kathy on indeath.net, Kathy um, Wiley. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have tried to contact her several times and she's never answered me back. And then last yeah. night I saw that she was on Facebook and I was like, I'm going to just try again. Yeah. And I contacted her and she was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I said like, we would love to have you on the show you know and she's like all about it so she said she's oh, gonna so have to like refresh her memory on some of the books because she's like not caught up she okay. took a break and i guess oh, okay. she never went back so oh but i told her like you whatever you want to talk about let us know and yeah. let us know what your yeah. schedule is so we can get you on okay because we really like awesome so hopefully that happens yeah um awesome. so anyway yeah I think that's it. So, um, again, next week, we're not sure, but we'll come up with something. We'll come up with something. Um, But until then, 
for this episode of Podcast and Death. This is AJ. I'm Jen. This is Tara. And we'll see you next week, guys. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to Podcast in Death. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcast in Death is hosted by Amy Ryan, Jen Terpstra, and Tara Corkery, and is edited and produced by Amy Ryan. The opinions expressed on this show are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the in-death fandom at large. Podcast in-death is not in any way affiliated with Nora Roberts, Berkeley, Penguin Publishing Group, or St. Martin's Press. Our theme song is Justice Never Sleeps by Cosmo and is available on Shutterstock.com. This episode and all of our previous episodes are available at podcastindeath.com. Have something to say? You can email us at show at podcastindeath.com or find us on social media by searching for Podcast and Death on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, you can call us and leave a message at 205 476 2753. That spells out 2054-ROARK. Thanks again for listening. And in the immortal words of Brian Kelly, fucking slouch at you.